0: Prater, welcome to JC Talks, a podcast about life and leadership. I'm an organizational consultant and professor of business and leadership. My entire purpose is to help you, your team, and your organization be more impactful, more effective, and more profitable. When the leader gets it right, everybody wins. This podcast is my opportunity to share with you great interviews, great books, great articles and the important lessons I am learning on the journey. My only hope is that the next few moments add value to your life and to your leadership. Stay tuned. In the last episode, we talked about self-love, narcissism, leadership, why it's important that we understand this as leaders, uh, that there are people on our team that have incredible self-love and they're filled up from within and they don't need your attention. They don't need your love. They don't need your, your expressions. They're, they're getting it from family. They're getting it from their, they got it from their parents. They're getting it from their spouse or whatever they do, or just from the inside. Again, that's that self-love. They're getting it from the inside. But on the other end of the spectrum, you'll have people that work for you. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. They do struggle. Uh, because they didn't have great parents, they didn't have a great upbringing, maybe they don't have a great spouse, they don't have a great partner, and they haven't learned how to fill themselves up on the inside. So they would be called what we call deep narcissists. So today what we're going to do in this episode of the um, episode 60 right here, episode 60, can you believe it? We're going to talk about the three levels of narcissism. And, and what we're going to see, and this is what we said last week, every single one of us, and you got to know this, you, me, all of us we have some level of narcissism, uh, but we're on the spectrum, right? So you can go all the way from what we're going to see today are deep narcissists, you know, deep narcissists, you know, try to say that five times fast. Then you have the functional narcissist, which is, is probably kind of in the middle on this line. And then you have what's called the healthy narcissist. And this is where we all want to get to, right? So we all have this narcissism because we all want acceptance. We want love. We want connection, um, uh, but it just depends on what we're going to do to get it right. OK, so let's dive in. There's a lot here. And what I'm going to try to do is just try to get through some of this. And um, there's so much that I could talk about when it comes to the deep narcissist, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not going to go over all this. Obviously, we're in the book here called uh, The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Green. We're in chapter two, where it talks about the law of narcissism. So let me read. I read this the other day, but let me read a little bit. We were talking about self-esteem and self-love, and I read this paragraph. It says this, this idea might seem strange, and it's the idea of self-esteem, self-love. We generally take the self-image completely for granted like the air we breathe. It operates on a largely unconscious bias. We don't feel or see the thermostat as it operates. The best way to literally visualize this dynamic is to look at those who lack a coherent sense of self. And these are the people we call deep narcissists. So let's start there. Let's start today with the deep narcissist. The people, again, as this says, who lack a coherent sense of self. So this is, they don't have self-esteem. They Let's not say they don't have, but they lack self-esteem. They, they lack self-love and uh, they lack that sense of self, knowing who they are, knowing where they're going. Similarly, uh, uh, so let me read a little bit more here. In constructing a self that we can hold on to and love, the key moment in its development occurs between the ages of two to five years old. This is really important for you to understand, okay? The moment when we figure out kind of who we are and, well, well, not who we are, um, but this idea of love, right? We begin to recognize it and realize it between the ages of two to five. As we slowly separate from our mother we face a world in which we cannot get instant gratification. So when you're going to first grade or you're in kindergarten and my daughter's there, I have a six-year-old daughter who's there right now. And whenever she's with her mom or me, um, we, I would say this, we are with our six-year-old daughter. We are an incredible, we are incredible co-parents and we're incredible parents individually. So she gets all of her needs filled up. She's constantly getting cuddled and loved on told how beautiful is she, you know, she is. She's now entering into a world though, where, um, She may have a really healthy sense of what she thinks she is, but the world is going to begin to show her, Hey, things that we can't see, you know, things that her mom can't see things that I can't see because we're just too blinded. We love her too much. She's absolutely amazing. Right? So as we slowly separate from our mother, as she's doing, we face a world in which we cannot get the instant gratification. We also become aware that we are alone and yet dependent on our parents for survival. Right? That that's a hard place to be. That's a hard place to understand. Uh, And to come to in life? Our answer is to identify with the best qualities of our parents, their strengths, their ability to soothe us and incorporate these these qualities into ourselves, which is why it's so important for us as parents to number one, be there, and, um, and number two, to understand that our kids are modeling what we do and how they learn how to love themselves is based on what they see and hear from us. If our parents encourage us, In our first efforts at independence, if they validate our need to feel strong and recognize our unique qualities, then our self-image takes root, right? Then we're able to, you know, We're out there. We're trying to become independent. Our daughters, our sons are out there and we're supporting that. We're encouraging that. Right. We're letting them fall down when they fall down and get back up, even though we're right there. And they know that, hey, if this thing got bad enough, I know that this my dad, my mom, they're going to scoop me out when this begins to happen. And they recognize this. uh, Their self-esteem begins to take root. And and then they slowly build upon it. We slowly build upon it if our parents do their job right. Deep narcissists, however, have a sharp break in this early development, and they can never quite construct a consistent and realistic feeling of self. So again, somewhere along the line. They didn't have parents that did the job that they were supposed to do. So maybe there were parents that disappeared. Uh, maybe they were, uh, you know, parents that walked away. Maybe they had parents that passed away. Right? It was something that they couldn't, you know, that they couldn't help. I remember going to school years ago. And, uh, you know, this is a very sad, it was a very sad time. We had, there were two brothers and they were incredible young men. And I believe they've grown up to be really dynamic young men. Uh, But they went through a season where they lost both of their parents. And I remember it was very hard. I I think their grandparents took them in, but it was really tough to see this. Um, So this is the kind of situation we're talking about there, right? So maybe a parent, you know, they disappeared for reasons that weren't their fault you know they passed away, or something like that uh, so let's read a little bit here because I have outside the the paragraph it says, "Wow, yes, it says their mothers or fathers might be deep narcissists themselves too, right so this is a struggle when you grow up and you have parents who are deep narcissists they're trying to get their love they're trying to get their needs filled up, right so it's hard for them to give you what you need because they are so uh, they're so hurting themselves, and they are so in need of love. Uh, and and care that they're not able to give you what you need. So they're too self-absorbed to acknowledge the child to encourage its early efforts at independence. Or alternatively, uh, the parents could be in measures, over-involved in the child's life, suffocating it. It's kind of the helicopter parent, right? With attention, isolating it from others and living through its advancement as a means to to validate their own self-worth. But again, that's 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 a a form of narcissism. They give the child no room to establish a self. In the backgrounds of almost all deep narcissists, we find, watch this, in the background of all deep narcissists, we find either abandonment or enmeshment. right? So you've got parents. If you know of a narcissist, I guarantee you, watch this, you've got, uh, in their situation, you have parents who have abandoned them at some point along the journey, or you have parents who are there way too much. In measures is what they call it, right? This is what Robert Greene calls it. They're kind of the helicopter parent, always hovering, always there. The result is that they have no self to retreat to. That's the danger when we, as parents, if we're never there and we abandon, or if we're always there, right? These kids that we have, our children, or if that's you, or that's me, or this narcissist that you're looking at, uh, they. They have not been able to find themselves, right? There's no foundation for self esteem, and they're completely dependent on the attention they get from others to make them feel alive and worthy. This is important to understand about the deep narcissist. There was no parent, or there was a very strong parent. Either way, they lost their sense of identity, right? And this is why it's it's important that kids. Children have their parents there, right, so that they can form some sense of identity, uh, a healthy sense of identity, when their parents are there in the right way. Um, So I want you to understand that, though, when you're dealing with a narcissist, right, on your team, uh, in your organization, wherever you are, uh, in in relationships, whatever, just understand this: they had parents that were way too much in their corner, or parents that disappeared. And I'm I'm not making excuse. I'm not making any excuses for the narcissist. I'm not saying you need to stay put and deal with what they're going to bring to the table, but you need to understand that, okay? They had no love, or they had too much love, and I'm putting this in air quotes. If you're watching on on the video, okay, so we can keep so we can keep going there. But I highlighted this portion over here, um, and it gives uh, it kind of talks about what you see when when you're looking at here, kind of the the um, the examples of what it means to be. here. Here's what you're going to see. Here are the actions of a deep narcissist. They're going to react with great rage, right? Uh, A thirst for vengeance, full of self-righteousness. They're insecure, right? Um, So if you ever insult or challenge them, okay, here's going to be the reaction. If you ever insult a narcissist or challenge a narcissist, uh, they're going to react with rage, They're going to position themselves as the wounded victim. You're going to see a lot of gaslighting, right? Confusing others and even drawing sympathy. They're prickly and oversensitive, right? Almost everything is taken personally. And my goodness, I read this and I said, man, I've had moments of this in my life for sure. They can become quite paranoid. They have enemies in all directions, Um, You can see an impatient or distant look on their face. They immediately turn the conversation. It's always about them. When you're talking to a deep narcissist, you can talk about anything and they're always going to bring it back to themselves. They have vicious bouts of envy. Again, again, they're looking for love. Uh, because they didn't get it from their parents. So they're seeing someone else get love. They're seeing someone else get recognition. They want that. And so that's where the envy comes from. Uh, they frequently they frequently display extreme self-confidence. This helps them gain attention, covers up their gaping inner emptiness and their fragmented sense of self. Um, but be aware of all of this, right? So these are some of the signs you're going to see. And some of you have seen this uh, before. Then you find they're deeply talented, highly talented, deep narcissists, right? And they find redemption through their work, channeling their energies and getting the attention they crave through their accomplishments, although they tend to remain erratic and volatile. So though this is important here, especially if maybe this is if you're listening to this and this is something you struggle with. For most deep narcissists, uh, this is really important for us to understand. It can be difficult to concentrate on their work, Lacking the self-esteem thermostat. So this inner self, that, uh, this inner part of them that tells them they're doing a good job, they're not uh, doing a good job. So they don't have that, right? So they're, they, they are prone to continually worrying about what others think about them. Uh, This makes it hard to actually focus attention outward for long periods of time and to deal with the impatience and anxiety that comes with work because with work, you're not going to get, you know, you know this, I know this, if you've been in work for even a day, you understand you're not going to have a boss that's continually next to you telling you how great you are and the great job you're doing. As a matter of fact, the higher you go in life, the the less you're going to have people who are surrounding you because they expect you to be able to find that within yourself. So they're probably going to come to you when something's wrong, but they're not going to be one of you know telling you all the time how great of a job you're doing. You've got to find that from within yourself. But for the deep narcissist, they're not getting this, so it makes it hard for them to focus outward because they're used to all of their attention coming from the outside. Right? Uh, so they tend to change jobs and careers frequently. Um, And this becomes the nail in their coffin. So if you see a person and I have been there in my entire life, I've been not in my entire life, but I've been there in in my lifetime. And I think back to my 20s, early 30s, constantly going from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Why? Because you get in it. And maybe the first couple of weeks, people are praising you. Oh, it's so good to have you be part of this team. It's awesome what you bring to the table. And then after two or three weeks, you're just part of the team. And so we're back to normal. They're not giving you a lot of outside feedback. You don't know how you're doing. You're really paranoid. You feel like you're doing wrong. No one's giving you the attention you need. So you know what? Boom. Time to move to the next place and uh, you know, put on the song and dance there. So that's important for us to understand, okay? So those are kind of traits of the deep narcissist. But again, underneath the deep narcissist is a person who had a helicopter parent always there, and they lacked a the sense of self, or they had parents that disappeared, and so they lacked a sense of self. Now we move to what's called a functional narcissist, okay? Uh, so So what it says is above the halfway mark, is what we shall call the functional narcissist. And, and this is where most of us reside, right? We are also self-absorbed, uh, but what prevents us from falling deep into ourselves is a coherent sense of self that we can rely upon in love, right? Uh, it is ironic that the word narcissism has come to mean self-love when in fact, the case Uh, The case that the worst narcissists have no cohesive uh, self to love, which is the source of all their problems, right? But for the functional narcissists, they've got the source of love within themselves. So this creates an inner resiliency right? Um, So then it says this, our task as students of human nature is threefold. First, we must fully understand the phenomenon of the deep narcissist, uh, and we must be honest about our own nature and not deny it. We are all narcissists. This is important for us to understand. Um, On the spectrum, you've got the deep narcissist, you've got the functional narcissist where most of us kind of hang out at, and then you've got the healthy narcissist, and we'll talk about uh, that in a second. But, But narcissism at its core is just the need for love. And the deeper the narcissist, the deeper the need for love that they have, right? The healthier the narcissist, they don't need that outward. They've got it from within. Again, great parents. They had um, somewhere along the line, they had great people that filled them up, right? With this healthy self-image, so they don't need it. Um, But most of us kind of lie right there in the middle and we're on the spectrum. And I would say this, The same thing with what we talked about the other day, you know, this idea of being irrational or rational. It's not a bad or good thing. It just is. There are moments in life. There are some days that we're rational. Some days we're irrational, right? All of us have this, so we can't judge people. And there are some days in life that we're deep narcissists. Why? Because we haven't gotten attention for a while. No one's given this, you know, the attention that we crave. Our boss hasn't told us something great about ourselves or, you know, the people around us haven't complimented us. And so we, so we become maybe a season. And then we joke out, out of it, we laugh out of. it. We say, "Oh my goodness, I'm you know I'm so craving attention." And then there are days that we are healthy narcissists. We've gotten all filled up. We've you know we've spent time with someone we love or with people we love and family. We've gotten all filled up, and then we're able to go out and give to other people. So it's under, it's important for us to understand this. We all are on the spectrum somewhere. Okay, so you've got the uh, you've got the 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 uh, the deep narcissist. Okay. You've got the functional narcissism, which is where we we tend to kind of hang out, right? We've got some inner resiliency. We have moments of deep narcissism, Um, but we're able to elevate ourselves, right? Uh, You know, we've got family, we've got friends. We're not always feeling insecure, not always feeling wounded. We're not always having this need for attention, right? Uh, We are able uh, to turn our attention outward uh, onto our work and onto building relationships most of the time, but we have these moments though of deep narcissism. But then we go all the way over, and what Robert Green talks about is the healthy narcissist, right? So, third and most important, we must begin to make the transformation into, and 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 this is why I'm all about self self growth. Um, I'm at a point in life now where my habits, I have pretty, pretty decent habits. And I have moments where I get off the habits and I had a conversation with my counselor the other day and we were talking about, uh, Last week, I was going through a little bit of a moment where I had some some moments of anxiety. And so what did I do? I went to McDonald's and I spent like 20 bucks. This is one person here. I spent like 20 bucks on getting hamburger and fries and all that stuff. Of course, I go out and work out the next day and I worked out that day, but I felt really bad about that because I knew that um, something's going on here, right? That's one of those fun- functional narcissistic moments where I'm moving into kind of deep narcissism. And because I can't figure out how to get my needs met, I go to McDonald's, right? That's a deep narcissistic moment um, you know, uh, in, in my own life. So what we're trying to work to, and so I was sharing this with my counselor and she said, you know, there are a lot of, don't beat yourself up over that. There are a lot of other things that you could be turning to in those moments. And she has other clients, you know, they're, you know, they're turning to cocaine and, um, all the other drugs that are out there. And we joked about the fact that I couldn't afford to have that habit. Um, Uh, but, but this is why I want to get better because of the sentence right here. It said third and most important, we must begin to make the transform transformation into what is called a healthy narcissist. Now watch this healthy narcissists have a stronger, even more resilient sense of self. They're able to bounce back even quicker, right? They tend to hover close to the top of the scale. They recover more quickly, uh, from any wounds or insults. So you can you know if you look at someone who's a healthy narcissist because we're all narcissists and you throw an insult them what you know their way they're able to get over it you know they look at you and and either it doesn't hit them the same way because they have an inner sense of self and you you can't knock it down or they look at you and they say well what's that about you you know i feel sorry for you why are, you know that's your issue not mine right so they recover more quickly they do not need as much validation from others they realize at some point in life they have limits and flaws, right? They can laugh at these flaws and not take slight so personally. In many ways, by embracing the full picture of themselves, their self-love is more real and complete, right? Uh, From this stronger inner position, they can turn their attention outward more often and more easily. Um, Their attention goes in two directions. First, they direct their focus uh, and their love into their work, right? Because they're so filled up, they can give to their work, right? And then it says this. And the other direction that healthy narcissists take is towards other people developing the empathic powers. And we're going to talk about this in the next episode, so we won't jump too much into this. But here's the point I'm trying to make. Where we all want to get to is to be the healthy narcissist, right? We all have a need for connection. We all want to be seen. All of us do, right? That's what narcissism is, the need to be seen. So we all have that, okay? Okay. The deep narcissist all the way over here, um, they lack self-love. They have you know, they didn't have great parents who helped them out. And so they're constantly, and they're doing it in unhealthy ways, and they'll take you down so they can get the attention. The functional narcissist, which is where most of us hang out. And you've got the healthy narcissist where all of us uh, want to hang out. Because when you reach this point, when you reach this point, all of your focus can go in two areas, on the work that you have. And I believe this, that all of us were created to do something great in life, that God has gifted us, God has God has blessed us, God has uniquely designed all of us to give back to the world, to do some kind of work. And it's up to you to find out what that work is, right? But all of us have some kind of work to, that we're meant to do, and it's meant to help other people. The focus is not to be to do the work so it makes me happy, and it will. Um, in in some ways, but the work is to help other people. Once we get this, this is the healthy narcissism. And the only way we get there is because we ourselves, who we are, we are completely filled up, right? We don't need the validation from other people. Um, We're much more resilient. We can recover quicker. Things happen to us in life. We get knocked down, but we climb back out even quicker, right? And so this is where we want to be. All of us want to be this idea of a healthy narcissist because we're all there. We all want connectivity. We all want love. But this, especially as a leader, this is where the leader needs to hang out. And and this is why this is important for us to talk about. If you've ever worked for a leader who is a deep narcissist, you know, that is the worst kind of of a leader to work for. They're the people who micromanage. They're the people who are using you uh, so that they can get their needs filled up. They're the people who will cut you down, who will take credit for your work. That's the deep narcissist, right? So when their boss comes around, and, and instead of standing back, you know, I'm starting to feel a little emotional about this because this is why I do this podcast right here. This is probably the most important thing that I will talk about on this podcast. This way, and we'll talk about it over and over in different forms, but this is one of the most important things. Deep narcissists make incredibly horrible leaders. They can't ever step back and let somebody else step out and take the attention and get the attention and and, and let other people bask in their work and bask in the praise of their work and bask in the, the excellence of their work. They're always having to take the credit for somebody else's work. And why? Because they didn't get enough, right? So they're afraid that if if, if their superior comes along and they're giving compliments out to their people and they're telling their superior, hey, I actually didn't do this work. You know, Marsha over here did this work, or so-and-so over here, or Joe did this work, or whatever. You know, they're afraid if they say that, that their boss is going to say, well, I don't need you anymore, so let's get you out of here. That's because they struggle with this deep narcissism. The healthy narcissism, they're not doing it because they need validation. They've got all of that validation. They've gotten it from their parents, and if they didn't get it from their parents, they did the inner work. Right, and so that they're able to, um, you know, they did the inner work, and so now they're able to, uh, um, you know, they're able to show up at work and give all of their attention to their work and to other people because their their needs are met. This is where we want to be as as leaders. This is so important. You want to be the healthy narcissist, <laughs> man. Don't be. The, if if you're listening to this today and and, and you're saying, man, I probably um, I I probably have more in common with a deep narcissist. Hey, that's good that you recognize it. That's a wonderful thing. Now you've got to do the work and you've got to, uh, to step out of that so that you can become the healthy narcissist, make the long journey. And it may take you years to get there, but start taking a long journey to become the healthy narcissist so that you can give your attention to your work. And you can give your attention to other people. You can give your attention to your children. You can give your attention to uh, the people who um, are around you, empowering them and helping. And this doesn't mean that you're not going to have needs to to get filled up. We all have that. But what I'm saying is we want to be at a place where 75% of the time, 80% of the time, we're able to focus our attention outward to other people on the work and on the people. That's all I got for us today. We went a little bit long, but this is really important for us to talk about. Deep narcissism functional narcissism. All of us need to move towards healthy narcissism. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of JC Talks. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we offer episodes just like this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to my podcast, JC Talks, a leadership podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your podcast, and be the first to get new episodes three times every week. I'll see you soon.